Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hum Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It is a beautiful, sunny, cool, clear day here in Starkville, Mississippi, the center of the universe. Hope there is good weather and good tidings wherever you are today. It's, it's interesting how life works. You know, there's always something that pops up you know, just kind of unexpectedly, just when you think you've got life figured out. There's always a new hurdle. There's always a new mountain to climb. And uh, rather than pout about it, we have found a way to kind of move forward and to always uh, look for the next journey, the next ridge, the next adventure. And uh, I hope that you are of the same uh, character. You know, it is easy to get down in the mouth, especially these days. There are so many things that we can choose to be negative about. And in, in many respects, it is a choice. There are so many things in life that happen, whether they be politically, whether they be, you know, you know, sports related there's always something that uh, we can get negative about i just try not to do that you know it's uh, this year has been trying on all of us but uh, thanksgiving is approaching look forward to having a chance to see uh, see some family i haven't seen in a long time i don't know how it is for you guys but uh, i have seen my mom and stepdad i believe one time since all this madness started back in march and you know for me you know, my stepdad was uh, battling cancer and going through chemo, and I just felt, you know what, I, I might be a carrier of this virus, even though that I'm asymptomatic, and I didn't want to be around them. It's because I just didn't want to uh, put them in harm's way. And so I look forward to having a chance to visit with them here in the next few days, and uh, I hope that you guys get a chance to be with the ones that you loved most. And uh, it's, it's interesting, too, how that changes in time, right? <laughs> There's always somebody... Uh, there's always, there's always people coming and going, you know, in your life. And um, I can't always explain that, but uh, I always appreciate the season, no matter how long it lasts. And so I hope that you guys do as well. Speaking of good tidings and good seasons, you can find that at Bulldog Burger Company. Lots of great food, lots of great prices, lots of great service. There's not a better place to break bread in Starkville proper than Bulldog Burger Company. And, and the people in Tupelo will tell you the same. Go by, have the jalapeno poppers burger if you like a little kick. And maybe you say, you know what, Steve, I don't know if I'm ready to take that on. The Bulldog Burger is just a straight-ahead rock-and-roll American classic cheeseburger. You can have it on no bun. You can have it uh, on a bed of lettuce. You can have it on a gluten-free bun. There's a lot of options to, serve, to choose from there. And also, too, you know, maybe if you're not in the mood for a burger, which is kind of weird, if you went to Bulldog Burger Company. But you know what? You'll be glad you win if you're health conscious because you can get that great salad. I've, I've shared with you guys many times. I've never completed one. Never. The portions are tremendous. Whether you get the burger and the fries, whether you get the salad, no matter what it is, you're always going to leave a little something. There's always going to be a doggy bag you can bring home and kind of give to the mutts. But uh, go check them out. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. And if you're looking for a place to watch a ball game this weekend, there's no better place than Bulldog Burger Company. You can have an adult beverage. You can have a great family meal, whatever you'd like. You can congregate there with other college football fans and just kind of enjoy the, the evening. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starville and Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. We have not played a football game in a couple of weeks. It's given us a little time to savor that win over Vanderbilt. Right? We'll take wins wherever we can get them at this point. Not trying to be negative, but I tell you, it's uh, it's not the year we had hoped it would be. I know many people expect it to be a transition year, and I don't think anybody expected us, even the truest of the true Maroon, expected us to have a winning record uh, during the regular season. But we're certainly behind the pace a little bit. 
two and four with four to play, we would need to win three of the last four to uh, to reach 500, which is the record I think most people projected. Four and six, five and five, by and large, is what people on Mississippi State beat expected. So we uh, probably play our most difficult game remaining on the schedule this weekend, and that's no no disrespect to any other opponents that uh, Mississippi State has, but there is a huge, huge, huge advantage and difference in talent when you look at the Georgia Bulldogs. And yes, they have struggled a little bit on offense this year, but defensively, one of the better units in the country. Uh, Very athletic group, for sure. And they always recruit defensive players. You know, when Georgia has been really good, they've had a good run of skill position guys. And it's interesting that Kirby Smart has really struggled to kind of keep and maintain big-time quarterback prospects on their campus, considering how well they recruit. They're a top-five recruiter most years, but have been unable to kind of keep big-time quarterbacks on campus. They'll get them signed. As you know, Justin Fields left under some very difficult circumstances. Uh, Easton left went to Washington. Or Easton, pardon me. But uh, I, you know, I don't know right now if you would have considered that quarterback room star-studded, but JT Daniels is competing to start this weekend. You know, Kind of the behind-the-scenes chatter is they do expect him to start. It has been uh, a bit of an adventure for Georgia. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. I think another thing, too, is they kind of realize now with them being a game behind Florida and the standings in Florida holding the tiebreaker, chances of them getting to Atlanta this year are probably pretty slim. That's not to say that Georgia's going to be playing for next year. They're going to get their best effort this weekend. They're trying to improve their bowl standing and, of course, you know, keep pace with Florida because who knows? Who knows what could happen over the course of the season? Let's say, you know, God forbid that Kyle Trask or somebody test positive for COVID and have to miss a couple of weeks, and then Florida has to play with a backup quarterback to drop a couple of games. Florida's right back in the mix of this thing, headed to Atlanta. Speaking of testing positive for COVID, you know, I'm told Mississippi State not quite at full strength. Still got some guys that are banged up. Uh, still got some guys that uh, are dealing with some COVID-related issues. Uh, no names. But uh, if we get out there Saturday and there are some people missing, you'll kind of understand why. There's going to be some people that are unavailable. I'm not trying to create any panic or anything like that. I'm not trying to sit here and say to to fuel speculation on the message boards or on social media. But we're not 100%. And we're probably not going to be 100% for a couple years. And what I mean by that is we're going to have a difficulty getting to the 83 83 scholarship limit next year. Probably be a couple years before we get back uh, to a full lot of scholarship players. You know, we've had some guys transfer. We've had some guys opt out. Uh, we talked on the show about Marcus Murphy. The more I hear about this, the more I, I believe that he is going to test the NFL waters. Uh, he is a guy, obviously, that uh, has some responsibilities. He's got a young man that has some special needs that requires some special medical attention. And uh, Marcus, in, in many respects, is kind of on his own figuring these things out. And so I suspect at this point he will likely declare for the NFL draft. I haven't heard that with any authority, but there's a lot of people that I speak to that are kind of leaning in that direction. They think, you know what, Marcus will, will apply for his NFL feedback and probably just go ahead and make the plunge. We certainly wish him the best. I, I, I wish we could have seen a full season of Marcus Murphy healthy at Mississippi State. I do think that he is a guy with NFL potential. I don't know that he has really shown that over an extended period of time because you guys know he missed, uh, what, eight games last year and then was a little bit nicked up most of the year this year, was just kind of rounding back into good form here in the last couple of weeks and had, had 10 tackles against Vanderbilt. So uh, I think that his days in Starkville are over, and then we'll kind of move forward uh, with all of that. That's not COVID-related directly, but when you begin to think about the possibilities of uh, 
you know, potentially testing positive and bringing that virus home, you know, to a young man that is already having to battle through some very serious circumstances. I certainly can appreciate Marcus Murphy's decision and commend him for doing what I believe is the, the, the adult thing and the right thing and wish him the absolute best and appreciate his contributions uh, to Mississippi State. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what the, you know, the direction we're going right now. Uh, Safety-wise, we discussed earlier this week that uh, you're down some numbers, but we're starting to get some guys back and get them healthy. C.J. Morgan, you may recall a gruesome knee injury against the University of Alabama, has worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and has been around the team and was cleared to practice this week. Cleared to practice this week. Now, I'm not sure how much he'll do this week, but he's back in the fold. And Mississippi State certainly needs him. J.P. Purpose is a guy that uh, has been somewhat limited also playing, played against Vanderbilt. And so as we've lost some guys, we've kind of gained some guys back. And so I think we'll be able to navigate through the secondary with the personnel we have available. A lot of people worry about that and say, you know what, Steve? You know, we started the year expecting the secondary to be, uh, you know, to be a real adventure. And I think some of that just because of the fact they faced the air raid in practice every day and uh, probably did, did some man coverage and that sort of stuff. But um, – you know, we've got some players, and uh, we have four games left to go. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how prolific the passing game is going to be outside of, say, Ole Miss. I know that Ole Miss is very adept at the forward pass. And so the secondary will certainly be tested. Georgia has an incredible group of receivers. Their quarterback play has been somewhat spotty. And so they'll have some guys that can get open. Can they get them to football? Those, those are the things you begin to kind of consider. Football is about matchups. And maybe I'm completely wrong. I'm not expecting State to win this ballgame against Georgia by any stretch. Don't get me mis, you know, misconstrue anything. I won't be surprised if State keeps this game close for a while because I think they're still figuring some things out offensively. And defensively, we're pretty strong. Even though we gave up almost 500 yards to Vanderbilt, we play some pretty good defense. I mean, some really good defense at times. And so I think it's important – that uh, our defense kind of holds serve and then gives our offense an opportunity to put some points on the board. I think the only way State wins this thing is if it's a low-scoring game. Probably have to have a non-offensive touchdown to kind of stay in the mix there. And then again, they may blow us out. I don't foresee that. I don't foresee that because I don't think anybody on our defense is going to quit even if we get down a couple scores. I mean, we saw Alabama is really the only team that has truly victimized us uh, defensively, we've been able to kind of stay in ball games, and when and necessary, you know, sometimes opponents have moved the ball within the 20s. We forced some turnovers, which is what we did against Vanderbilt. So I fully expect the Bulldog defense to be ready to go. Fully expect the Bulldog offense to be back, at, you know, somewhat close to full strength. We'll kind of see how that goes, but uh, hopefully, with two weeks of practice and a chance to kind of get some guys uh, back and get them healthy and back in the flow and prevent them from. Uh, being nicked up because this time of year everybody's already beat up but to have that unexpected open date you know perhaps is something that works good you know for Mississippi State the NBA draft is uh, set to take place and there will be some uh, kind of a maroon hue to all of that you know we do think uh, I think most experts agree Anthony Edwards is uh, probably the first guy taken in the draft so there are some experts that think LaMelo Ball may come out uh, first a lot of people have him going in the first two or three picks but uh, Anthony Edwards of Georgia a guy that, uh, listen, <laughs> had a tough night at the uh, Humphrey Coliseum a while back, but uh, that guy can absolutely shoot the, fo- the basketball. Pardon me. I'm still in football mode. Got a lot of people calling me. It's incredible. Whenever I get ready to be with you guys, there's, there's no shortage of people that want to talk. So the, uh, the latest mock drafts 
have Robert Woodard going in the first round. A lot of people have him. Some have him on the fringe of the first round. Uh, CBS draft analyst uh, Kyle Boone has him going to the Celtics at 26. Robert Woodard is kind of a new age type player. You know, it's not like the days of, uh, you know, the old power forward, that sort of stuff. I mean, he's a guy that can get down low and rebound and post up, but also can shoot to three. And he's also a relentless defender. I think that's one of the reasons you see him project ahead of Reggie Perry. Most people have Reggie Perry as a consensus second round pick. And how great would it be for Mississippi State to have a couple guys drafted? It only kind of helps recruiting. But, um, you know, listen, men's basketball has not really been in fashion in Starkville for a long time. I mean, that, that's, you know, just kind of the reality of things. And, uh, you know, my hope is with this new class that's coming in, you've got some young guys that uh, can really get out and run. I think it's going to be a different brand of basketball. You know, there are times, you know, with uh, Ben Howland that we've kind of beat the ball in the ground for uh, – most of the shot clock, and then uh, had Quindary Witherspoon go make a play for us. And, of course, uh, he's a guy making money now as a professional basketball player. And so he benefited from that. I, I suspect that we're going to get out and run a little bit more and be a little more of a guard-oriented team, you know, based on the personnel that we have. That's where the scoring options kind of have to come. But uh, there are many – I think in many ways you look at these couple years that we had Woodard and, and Perry, and we probably feel like, you know, that we have uh, – maybe we didn't achieve as much as we'd wanted – but we had a couple of guys that are, you know, potential NBA draft picks that got us back to the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, last year we didn't get the opportunity to see. I believe we would have been out of the tournament last year, probably in the NIT again. But I'm grateful to Robert Woodard and, and uh, Reggie Perry for coming to Mississippi State and for their contributions to Bulldog basketball. I hope that they both get drafted. I mean, it'd be great if they both went in the first round. I don't think anybody expects that to happen. I think both will be drafted at some point and uh, probably play basketball for a long time, even if it's overseas. But, uh, you know, again, part of me, I look back and say, you know what, if we have two guys that are NBA selections and we, and we did not even get an NBA, NCAA tournament win out of them, then they were, they, they were underutilized. Or perhaps, that they, you know, we didn't do enough with them to maximize their talents to, uh, to kind of further the development of this program. I think that's a difficult thing to kind of overcome. You know, when you look at that and say, you know what, you had NBA players, but you couldn't win an NCAA tournament game. It's kind of an indictment on our program. That's why I think we need to take a step forward this year. I, I don't think anybody expects Mississippi State to be an NCAA tournament team this year. I don't. I, I think we're going to be a young team. We're going to be exciting. We're probably going to have some struggles on defense. And if we can somehow get close to 500 in league play, I think it'll, I think we can consider the year a success. But this is a transition year, and I think probably year two – you know, with Smith and those guys, is probably the year you look at. I do think D.J. Stewart's a guy that's a rising star in the SEC. I think Iverson Molinar is a guy that's capable of handling the point. Abdul Adu, of course, is, uh, you know, is a guy that can kind of clean the glass and take out the trash down low. You don't run your offense through him, but he is a shot blocker and a rebounder, and I think that there's some real value there with him. But once you get outside of those guys, there's just not a lot returning with any experience. I think we all know that and we see that. Uh, you know, we've, we've added, you know, some transfers. We've added some new players. And so it's going to take some time for those guys to get to know each other and develop some chemistry. But I, I really believe this year, if we are a mediocre team, that is probably a win for us, considering all the pieces that we lost from a season ago. You don't lose two NBA players and get better as a team, unless perhaps you're Kentucky or Duke or someone like that. We're just not recruiting at that level. And so I think it's best to kind of temper expectations on the men's side. But I think it's also fair to look back and say, you know what, when we had a couple of guys here that were real studs, 
we didn't do a whole lot with them. We didn't do it. We just didn't. And uh, I think it's difficult to argue against that. You know, people say, well, you know, we didn't have this. We didn't have that. You know, that's the one thing about men's basketball and I guess women's basketball to a lesser extent. But one recruiting class can change everything. I mean, one class can change everything. It's not like football where you have to stack two or three classes together and change a culture and things like that and teach people a system. You know, a lot of times you get by on athleticism. And, uh, and so you get, you, know, you get you know three, four, five guys in there that can kind of change the trajectory of your program. We thought we had that in year one, uh, you know, with Ben Howen, and then many of those guys ended up leaving the program. You know, Malik, obviously. <laughs> Malik moved on. Uh, Q stayed. Uh, there, there, there are others, you know, as well as I do, that um, either didn't pan out or didn't moved on, and we have had a lot of attrition with that roster, and that's one of the things that's kind of got to be addressed. We can't continue to have these recruiting misses and kind of leave holes in our team and in our bench so when we do get marquee players like Robert Woodard and Reggie Perry, uh, we can have the supporting cast around them. And so things have got to settle. Uh, I never thought that we w- when Rick Stansberry, quote, unquote, retired – I did not think that we would have to wait this long and wander the wilderness this long to have an opportunity to get back to being a consistent NCAA tournament selection team. But that's been the case. We've been one time, and then we get upset by Liberty in a game that we, you know, we should have been able to put away, but we didn't. We didn't, and uh, that's an indictment on our program. It, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, when Ben Howland came in, I think many of us expected, you know, you know with this young nucleus of players with, uh, you know, with Malik Newman and, and Quindary Weatherspoon, that uh, the turnaround would be, you know, rather quick. But, uh, you know, we had some recruiting misses that he inherited. And then, in, you know, year one, we got better as the year went along. And I think down the stretch, we were as difficult and out as there was in the SEC. Remember that big win over Vanderbilt when Quindary Weatherspoon hit the game winner? You know, we thought, okay, well, this is kind of a sign of things to come. You know, we were not a great team this year, but we can be competitive and we got better as the year went along. Uh, and I just don't know if, um, if we have kind of built on that the way we should have. And, of course, we did build to an NCAA tournament. But um, it kind of felt like that we were kind of getting toward the end of a talent cycle. And even last year, even though we had that most of the nucleus of that team back, uh, there were some games that we let get away where we were the more talented team. So you can draw your own conclusions. That's uh, that's my take on it. And, uh, again, I look forward to uh, the draft tonight. I won't watch it. Uh, I'm not a big NBA fan, but I will pay close attention to it, and I'm excited for our players, our guys that I came through our program that have maximized their opportunity at Mississippi State and will now have the opportunity to play professional basketball for an extended period of time, provided they stay healthy. So best of luck to, uh, uh, to Robert uh, and Reggie. All right, let's get to today's top ten list. Uh, Roy Samante is the guy that uh, puts these – list together on Spotify uh, for you guys. And uh, it's been a nice addition. So, Roy, thank you very much. I've had many people reach out and say, hey, I'll, I've been, it kind of turned me on to some songs I hadn't heard in a while. You know, we did the Hall & Oates thing, uh, you know, for Monday. And I had a lot of people reach out and said, man, I love Hall & Oates. I've always loved Hall & Oates, and I don't know if they've gotten, uh, you know, maybe the respect they deserve over the years. But uh, it's nice that you guys are enjoying these lists, but you can thank Roy for them. It was his brainchild. I had always wondered, what if I did a playlist but I never took the time to learn how to do it. And uh, so Roy does that of his own volition because he loves the show. And so Roy mentioned to me last night, how about a top 10 list of all the top 10 lists that I've suggested you haven't done? So Roy, good on you for a funny joke. So today's top 10 list is not the top 10 list that Roy suggested. But uh, Roy suggested one that kind of struck my fancy a little bit. Uh, he, he mentioned some old classic rock bands. We'll eventually get to those too. 
He did mention the Eagles. We've already done that one. But he, an interesting topic, top 10 artists that left successful bands and then became successful solo artists. That covers a wide range of music and a wide range of individuals. And my top 10 list reflects that. I do have a few honorable mentions before we go. And I guess, Roy, I, here's what we'll do. I'll probably have to pick a song, too, like my favorite song from these artists for your playlist. And I'll do that, too, a little bit later. So uh, honorable mentions, Steve Perry from Journey, Dr. Dre from NWA, John Jett from The Runaways, Belinda Carlisle from The Go-Go's, Don Henley from The Eagles, Bobby Brown from New Edition, and Paul McCartney, of course, from The Beatles and uh, eventually Wings. Those guys on the honorable mention, and there's some pretty heavy hitters in there. But here is my top ten list. You can have your own top ten list, but chances are to be wrong. But number ten for me is Lou Graham from Foreigner. I loved Ready or Not. I thought Lou had a couple of really good solo albums. Did not have the same critical acclaim or success that he did with Foreigner. But he had a good solo career. And then unfortunately ended up getting cancer and uh, you know, couldn't sing for a while. But uh, I think that Lou Graham Ready or Not album is one. And uh, our, our song from that one will be The Midnight Blue, I'm confident. Number nine on the list, it's got to be Justin Timberlake from NSYNC. And, I, and listen, in the, uh, in the boy band battles years ago, I liked NSYNC better than the Backstreet Boys, even though I probably could have been a Backstreet Boy with a little bit better singing voice. But uh, Justin Timberlake, I thought, was the driving force behind NSYNC. A lot of their bigger hits, he's uh, he's the lead guy. So JT, also a huge college football fan, Tennessee fan, so he's kind of one of our own. So Justin Timberlake, number nine on the list. Uh, number eight, Phil Collins from Genesis. I wasn't a big uh, Peter Gabriel fan. I know some people love him, and you know they think he does some groundbreaking stuff. I, I, it's not for me. I think Phil Collins was tremendous as a solo artist. Uh, really, I think when they reunited and did Land of Confusion and that stuff with Genesis, I thought because of the strength of Phil Collins' solo career, he made Genesis a better band once they returned. Number seven from the police, Sting. I actually had the album Dream of the Blue Turtles on, uh, on cassette years ago. Sting had a huge career. Uh, as a solo artist, and again, the driving force behind the police. Number six, probably the voice of the Commodores, Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie has a huge collection. I love to work with the Commodores. I have the Commodores' greatest hits in my uh, in my rig right now. I have the CD, even though I don't listen to CDs much anymore. It's still rattling around somewhere in the trunk. But Lionel Richie had a great career as a solo artist. The Dancing on a Ceiling album, I guess that was the name of it, Dancing on a Ceiling, but you know, the same album. Uh, it was an MTV mainstay, and Lionel Richie became a superstar. And I remember him hosting, I guess, the uh, American Music Awards, and uh, it was outrageous. Number five, I would be remiss, and uh, my my college-age girls that uh, that share my name and uh, my resources around here, they would be disappointed if I didn't mention Beyonce, who was uh, in Destiny's Child, and I thought Destiny's Child was tremendous. But at the end of the day, that was really about Beyonce and Kelly Rowland. There were some other interchangeable parts in Destiny's Child. But Beyonce is the queen, Queen Bee, as they call her. Extremely talented, has some very talented people around her, but she is an amazing performer. Uh, regardless if you like that kind of music or not, it's, how can you not respect Beyonce and the talent she has and the work that she's done and the people she's surrounded herself with? Uh, doesn't write a lot of her songs, but, man, she performs them like, like all get out. I think the final four here are probably first ballot Hall of Famers in everybody's mind. Number four for me, also from the Beatles, is John Lennon. I love the John Lennon Imagine album. I've recently watched the uh, John Lennon 
documentary on Netflix, and uh, there's like live footage, live footage. There's actual footage of them when they're writing and recording. Imagine uh, that's one of the greatest albums, one of the greatest songs in the history of mankind. And, and so to be able to watch that and kind of watch it being made was very special to me. I'd encourage you to go watch it. Number three, I think my daughter Mia would probably be the most disappointed, but also the most excited. Disappointed that she wouldn't be on the list, but excited that she is. But it's uh, Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac. And I love how this younger generation has begun to embrace Fleetwood Mac. And I know a lot of it's because of that viral video uh, with dreams on it. But Stevie Nicks, there's probably never been a more mystical and mysterious and uh, consistent singer than Stevie Nicks. And she's written a lot of her own music, and I certainly respect that. There's a lot of people out there that are great recording artists that aren't great songwriters. And uh, Stevie Nicks is, uh, is obviously somebody that can kind of hold her own in any genre. I believe in many respects that she is the greatest female vocalist of all time. I think she is the total package. She's beautiful, has an incredible singing voice, uh, has better range than some people give her credit. But, um, you know, when she uses her lower register, you know exactly who she is. And um, if you're not into Stevie Nicks or Fleetwood Mac, you darn well should be. Number two for me, and I almost went number one, but I couldn't do it with a straight face. But I almost did it just because of the fact, I mean, this phone won't stop ringing. Uh, it's Ozzy Osbourne. You know, Ozzy, you know, Black Sabbath was a huge, huge success. And uh, really kind of the innovators of heavy metal. You know, they brought in all the dark imagery and that sort of stuff. Uh, and a lot of it was because of where they were from. But Ozzy had a tremendous career. And I know some of you guys that uh, think you know rock music, you always you know, will message me. And I, I'm going to just tell you this. The Jakey e. Lee years were the best Ozzy years. They, they, they were. Those were those to me, Bark at the Moon, Ultimate Sin, those are the iconic albums. Yes, Diary of a Madman is great. Yes, Blizzard of Oz is great. Yes, Randy Rhodes was virtuoso. But those albums, Bark at the Moon and Ultimate Sin, from start to finish, there's not a bad song on them. You know, there there is some filler on uh, Diary of a Madman and Blizzard of Oz. There just is. And that's not to take anything away from Randy Rhodes' playing, but the songs were just better when Jake was in the band. To me, that is Ozzy at his peak, you know, when Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne kind of ruled rock and roll, was the Jakey e. Lee years. And listen, Zach Wilde is amazing. I'm not trying to talk anything negative about Zach, but I believe, you know, it's, he kind of caught him on the back end of his career. But the Jakey e. Lee years with Ozzy are the best. But number one, number one solo artist of all time to leave a successful band it's Michael Jackson. I don't know who else it could have been. He leaves the Jackson 5 and becomes the biggest music superstar that the world has ever seen. Uh, they called him the king of pop, which I appreciated because Elvis Presley is a king of rock and roll, even though that uh, rock has changed a lot over the years. Uh, Michael Jackson, well, you go back to Off the Wall, which is a tremendous album with rock with you on it, and then Thriller, of course, one of the, the, the best-selling albums of all time. Uh, and then, you know, I thought he's, and he got deeper in his career. He still had a lot of hits. He still was a hit maker and a hit machine, and people were just mesmerized by Michael Jackson, uh, you know, his personal life aside. You know, but I remember when, when he did the moonwalk on the uh, American Music Awards, it was like something out of outer space. When we saw it, no, no pun intended, uh, you, you kind of got it. And Michael Jackson just had such character in his voice and could sing ballads and could do all the up-tempo stuff and was a singer to dancer. And he was, without a doubt, the best entertainer that I think I've seen in my generation. So that's my top ten list. If you have ideas for a top ten list, feel free to shoot them my way. I'm happy to do I'm happy to break them down, happy to talk about them. Um, and, and listen, I think these are the cool things, too. I have so many people. I would say I get 
I don't know, maybe a dozen messages a week about the top 10 list. And uh, you, there's always one guy that's like, I don't know why you added a top 10 list. I always skip it. And you know what? That's cool, too. I added it back in the quarantine because we needed some filler content. And uh, I re- let me remind you guys of this, too. You know, when I first started doing the Barnyard eight years ago, it was a 25-minute show. 25 minutes. And we had three advertisers. And I read all three ad breaks at the beginning of the show. And you had 25 minutes. And uh, now you get an hour. Yeah, I've got a few more advertisers these days. But, uh, you know, I enjoy doing a top 10 list. And uh, the fact that so many people respond to it. I have people to come to me at book signings and say, hey, Steve, I love a top 10 list. But I would have had this song in there. Little did I know that you guys were such passionate Barry Manilow fans. I spoke to Mike Wright yesterday at a book signing in Columbus. And we had a chance. I was telling him. I had about a half dozen people message me and said, how could you do the Dewberry Manilow and not include uh, Weekend in New England? I don't even really know the song. But uh, you're good on you, Barry Manilow fans, for sticking up for your guy. But that's the story, and uh, I'm ready to get to kind of move on from that. But um, the top ten list brought to you by the folks at my bookie. You guys are obviously very familiar with them. Uh, my bookie has been with me a long time, and it's been a weird year. I mean, we all can agree that. We've had uh, you know, the NBA played in the bubble. You know, we had uh, the UFC Fight Island. College football started all late. There's no non-conference for us in the Power Five. So in a year that's unlike any other, you need a sports book unlike any other as well. So get some skin in the game with my bookie where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season. Turkey Day's right around the corner, and there's no better way to feast on some NFL action. Pick the Steelers. Whether you're a first-time customer or, or have been playing with my bookie for years, there's no shortage of value that can be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests they offer each and every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table slot and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, my bookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play today and sign up at my bookie. When you do, use promo code Boneyard to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to $1,000. The terms are simple: you put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you are already planning to bet this season, that's free money to play with. That's house money. It's winning season at my bookie. Come and join in all the fun and win some cash while you're at it. MyBookie.com. All right, let's talk some Georgia Bulldogs here. You know the Bulldogs are uh, four and two. Their two losses, of course, came to front-running SEC West leader Alabama and SEC East leader Florida. I think a lot of people expect Georgia to be a lot better than they have been this year, but uh, I think a lot of it's because of uh, you know team play. I mean quarterback play. I mean this hasn't been what many people expected. But they're four and two. They're four and two in a game behind Florida in the standings, and uh, you know there's a lot to kind of consider what's happening with Florida with Georgia. But let's uh, let's kind of get up to speed on who Georgia is and uh, who you should be mindful of. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I do expect JT Daniels to start at quarterback. I, I think that's probably. I don't even know if it's a rumor at this point. I think that's probably just them trying to keep speculation back. I transcribed the Kirby Smart interview yesterday, and he said they were going to compete throughout the week, but I think it's pretty much understood that they're going to go uh, with JT Daniel. You know, looking at the numbers here, you know, Stetson Bennett, you know, former walk-on there, has been uh, you know, been decent, I guess. 85 of 153 for a completion percentage of 55%. That's not good enough. Eight touchdowns, six interceptions. So they're going to make a change. Uh, the JT Daniels thing is, you know, one of the most prolific quarterbacks in his recruiting class will come in, uh, and this will be, you know, his first start. So we'll see how things progress with him. But, 
You know, Stetson Bennett has just not been able to get the job done when it's mattered most. Kind of looking here at uh, some of these receiving numbers, they're expected to have George Pickens back. He's missed a couple of games. George Pickens, one of the best receivers in the SEC, number one uh, for a reason. Just 13 catches, 140 yards on the year. Some of that's being out to injury, and some of that's just anemic quarterback play. Uh, Kiaris Jackson's got 10, um, number 10, got 27 catches to lead the team and a couple touchdowns. Uh, looking at the numbers there, average of 14.67 yards per catch. James Cook right behind him at 14.62. He also has 13 grabs. They don't have a receiver anywhere close to 100 yards per game. That's probably a little bit unexpected. You know, Jackson, of course, 396 yards, averaging 66 yards per game. But they have not been nearly as prolific in the passing game as I think many people had hoped they would be. And a lot of that's got to do with attrition at the position. Looking at the running game, it always seems that Georgia has somebody big time there, a future NFL prospect. The guy, Zamir White, is the bell cow there now. 509 net yards, seven touchdowns, averaging just under 85 yards per game. Just seven lost yards on the year. 97 attempts, and it's lost just seven yards. So there's a lot of falling forward with him. Uh, Kendall Milton's another guy that's a good compliment back for them, averaging just right at 31 yards per game. Uh, 183 yards gained, 5.9 yard average. Uh, again, you know Georgia's going to have talent. I mean, it's you know talent never sleeps. You know that's the thing. Uh, they're they're very very good athletically. They have not put things together consistently offensively. I would hate for that to happen this week. That's one of the reasons that I think Zach Arnett will probably be able to get his guys up and running because they know that this Georgia offense is not quite as, as exciting as it should have been, but uh, they're going to have to kind of keep us in the game. Uh, the leading tackler for the University of Georgia is a name that you guys are going to know. Former Horn Lake Mississippi standout, N'Kobe Dean, with 49 total tackles, leads the team by far. The number two tackler, Monty Rice, with 35. So 16, pardon me, 14 tackles more than the second uh, most leading tackler is N'Kobe Dean who has done well. Also, eight quarterback hurries for him. So he is a guy that uh, you know, has kind of become an all and every down linebacker. And I'll be honest with you, I thought his size might hurt him a little bit. But um, Georgia certainly knows how to use him, for sure. Uh, Lewis Kine is another guy that's uh, had a good year for him. Uh, 31 tackles for them. Probably the best pass rusher on the team is Aziz. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this name, but it's Aziz Ojolari. 20 quarterback hurries on the year. Forced a couple fumbles, broke up a couple passes. You know, this is a guy that obviously gets to the quarterback, three and a half sacks, which uh, leads a team. Adam Anderson also with three and a half. And so, th- listen, they're they're going to get after the quarterback a little bit, and they do it from multiple positions. It's not like it's as simple as you can game plan against one guy. Uh, Jermaine Johnson also has three sacks. Channing Tindall, a couple sacks. N'Kobe Dean's been on a sack and a half, as has Monty Rice. Uh, Malik Herring's got one. Trevon Walker's got one. So it's not as simple as, okay, we've got a slide protection to this side because that's where their edge rusher is, and that's where they always blitz from. Uh, They spread you out, and uh, they can come get you. And so that's interesting, to say the least, just because N'Kobe Dean, I think a lot of people thought that it would take him a year or two to kind of round in the formats that they're having a really good career at the University of Georgia. Secondary-wise, they've been a little bit shaky at times. The guy to watch out for is number two, Richard LeCount. Four breakups, three interceptions, which uh, both of those marks lead the team. 
senior guy been around forever and a day, it seems like, ready for this guy to kind of move on. Maybe the Steelers will draft him. Uh, Tyson Campbell's also had four breakups, uh, as is Eric Stokes, who also has three picks. And so this is an athletic secondary, but there's not a lot of depth behind them, and that's going to, you know, cry a river, Georgia. You know, we, we kind of live that way. But uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup just because of the fact that I don't know if they're going to play a lot of zone or not. Kirby Smart has kind of intimated that they would play some man coverage. And a lot of our Bulldog fans look at that and say, well, if, if they do, they're complete idiots. You know, I don't know if you know this, but Alabama played – Probably more man coverage than we have seen since the LSU game. I don't think anybody uh, had really played man coverage against us until Alabama did. But Alabama, when they got ready to rush the passer, they went to man coverage and they brought extra people and they got to the quarterback. Uh, so it'll be, you know, it'll be something to see if Georgia does decide to run some, uh, some blitz packages that require their guys to be in man coverage and if we can exploit those. I think we need an on-offensive touchdown or two to kind of stay in this ball game. Again, I don't expect us to win. Uh, but I think Georgia is arguably the most talented team that we're going to face outside of the University of Alabama. It's kind of tough when we pick them up. But you, know, you, think, you think, hey, well, if we get Vanderbilt and we get Georgia, we've probably done pretty well. I thought we were treated fairly in the schedule. But, um, you know, these guys have, uh, you know, have been a good, solid team this year, but they haven't been nearly as explosive as I'm sure Kirby Smart and Georgia fans uh, had hoped for them to be. You kind of look at the numbers here. They were 37-10 winners over Arkansas at Fayetteville early, but if you may recall, that was really a tough ball game early on. Arkansas kind of faded down the stretch. Auburn winners 27-6. to And, again, that was a game, too, where, you know, the G- Georgia didn't do a whole lot in the second half. They, they get on Tennessee pretty good, but at the half, you may recall, if I'm not mistaken, it was a 21-20 ball game, and then Georgia puts it away at the half, which is what great teams do in the second half. They kind of put it away. And then Alabama, of course, uh, did kind of reverse the script and took care of Georgia there in the second half. Uh, 14-3 winners at Kentucky. 14-3. That was a surprise to me because I thought Georgia would be able to out-athlete Kentucky, but give Stoops some credit. They put in a good scheme to kind of slow them down, just couldn't score. And then, of course, Florida runs all over them, uh, 44-28. Georgia did not play last week. They were scheduled to play Mizzou. So just like Mississippi State, they have had a, an unscheduled open date. So what does that mean? You know, both of us are going to come in here, uh, you know, reasonably healthy, you would think. Uh, I'm told that Georgia has not had a positive COVID test in four weeks. They've dealt with some contract tracing from time to time, and I've read some people put out there in kind of some source reports that Georgia was uh, was struggling with some COVID stuff. But uh, – I'm told that's not the case. They're going to be pretty close to full strength. I mean, everybody's a little banged up, as you know. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with some issues, not quite what we were the last two. But, uh, you know, we've both had some time to kind of get some guys on demand and hopefully be able to go out there and play a good football game. We'll preview the weekend on Friday. And a reminder, I'm not going to Athens. I had planned to go. Uh, but I've got a, uh, another event that will keep me here in Starkville. And I will give you all the details on Monday all the details on Monday, all that I'm allowed to tell you. So that'll all take place on Saturday. It was set to happen on Friday, but it had to be rescheduled. And so, again, I'll, I'll update you on Monday. Very, very excited about this and uh, have not allowed myself to get excited until recently. So uh, if you hadn't done so too, let me encourage you, go visit our friends at manscaped.com. Manscaped, uh, they've been with us before, and some of you guys have reached out with your testimonials and kind of shared, hey, you know what? Their equipment is legit. It's not just an ad. I tried it. It's great. And here's the deal. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that uh, maybe hadn't fully embraced the fact that, uh, you know, manscaping's a real thing. 
needs to happen. And, uh, you know, you got to be careful down there. It's not as simple as just grabbing your regular shaver and going to work. That's why you use the new Lawnmower 3.0. That trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts and even has a light to help you with the closest shave possible. Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer can help you whack those nasty weeds in your delicate holes. And here's the deal, too. Who knew that nose hair thing was such a thing? I guess now that I'm on the other side of middle age, you know, you kind of realize that, you know what, you got to clean up there as well. I wish more people did. Their product also has proprietary skin-safe technology to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. And who wants to have that happen in those areas? Uh, the performance package also includes the cop preserver. It's a deodorant for your more intimate areas and also protects against chafing. And as we live down here in the land of humidity, chafing is a real and present danger. Also, the Reviver Ball Toner will give you you and your boys a chance to kind of freshen up. When you're getting done with the gym or whatever, you've got an opportunity to kind of clean up before you see anybody. Maybe you're on the other side of the wall and you don't know when your next shower is going to be. No worries. The Crop Mop Wipes are for you. You got smelly feet, and some of you do. Your friends are scared to tell you. I'll tell you now, we're tired of smelling your nasty tennis shoes. Get some new ones, but until you do, get the Manscaped Foot Duster, foot deodorant, to help fight odors of even the nastiest of feet. Want to smell good everywhere? Good, because the Refined Cologne by Manscaped is a clean and fresh scent designed for the refined gentleman. On top of everything, they've thrown in the shed travel bag to carry your goods and the Manscaped anti-chafing box of breeze to hold the entire package together for you. How about that? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BONEYARD at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside. Might as well make yourself look and smell better. Again, 20% off and free shape, shape, shipping at manscaped.com with promo code BONEYARD. Go check that out. Let's talk a little recruiting. Earlier today, Lafayette County defensive back Brendan Tolles announced he was decommitting from Mississippi State. Don't know all the details behind that. I like Brendan Tolles. I do. I went and watched him play in person uh, against Morville, and uh, he didn't get a chance to do a whole lot because they kind of overwhelmed Morville. It was one of those rescheduled games due to some COVID stuff. Uh, but I like him. He, he is a fleet-footed guy, but he is not going to be a Bulldog. So what does that mean? Well, you know, State's got to go out and get some defensive backs. You know, we've uh, recently offered Marcus Covington, and then uh, TCU has offered him, and that's a home state offer. And I think it's probably between Mississippi State and TCU. Uh, Cortez Eatman, I don't expect to be in the class. And so we've got to go out and get some DBs out there. What does this mean for Justin Wiley? Jaden Wiley's younger brother. Jaden Wiley's having a great experience at Mississippi State. Justin Wiley's been committed to Minnesota for a long time. He is very careful with what he says on the record. But I've talked to some people that have some knowledge of the situation, and they say, you know, listen, he's not quite as solid as you might expect. He's still kind of working through this. He is the opportunity to be a December grad, so he would make the move to Minnesota in January. I think the better that Jaden Wiley plays, and I think the better experience Jaden Wiley has, the better chances there are for Mississippi State to get Justin Wiley. Justin Wiley fits with us. I think Justin Wiley would play early in his career at Mississippi State. I think he's exactly what we're looking for. There are a lot of people out there that say, you know, Justin kind of wants to do his own thing, though. He's not going to pick Mississippi State just because his brother is there. That would be the easy thing to do, be easy on the family. But at the end of the day, he's a guy that's got to live with that decision. But expect some new names to pop up in the coming days at defensive back. Because Cortez Eatman is not going to be in the class, and now Brennan Tolles is not. And so you've got to go out and get a couple of corners. Now we're down to 20 commitments. We expect to sign 26 players. So there are six more spots to fill. You know one of those is going to be O-line. You know two of those are going to be D-line. So you've got three spots to play with, which means a couple of corners and probably a best available. Does that mean wide receiver? Does it mean safety? Does it mean Kadarius Callaway comes home? Maybe. 
But I was I would share with you that uh, you know with Alabama kind of cruising towards another SEC championship and potential national championship, uh, it makes it hard to sell another opportunity when they've got a chance to go to the University of Alabama. I mean that's just kind of the world in which we live. So Mike Leach and his staff working hard now to kind of fill out this class, and uh, there's there's going to be some ebb and flow, and we're going to benefit from some of that stuff too. So. We'll kind of see how things progress, especially if there's some coaching changes late and some guys uh, kind of get left out in the mix there. There's not as much recruiting news these days, you know, because there aren't official visits. The you know, coaches aren't going out seeing guys in practice. And, uh, you know, it's it's a different deal. And so, you know, it, it would be great if we could have these, uh, you know, kids taking visits so we can recap that and kind of let you know how they're, they're leaning. But uh, these guys are kind of having to make these decisions without a lot of information. And uh, it's just different. It's so different to think about how it's been for years where people go in and have the in-home visits and encourage guys to come in. And all of a sudden, you know, you one of your coaches goes in, hammers down, locks in an official visit. They come in. The kid gets home on Sunday, and then Ole Miss is waiting at the house, and you're back in there on Wednesday. And so there's so much ebb and, ebb and flow with the regular recruiting process. All of that has kind of been removed due to the prohibition on in-person and in-face uh, contact uh, between coach and player. And so the guys that are maybe a little less influential, you know, the guys that are like, you know what, I'm not going to rise and fall with, uh, you know, kind of who I talked to last. This is good for them. You know, it's good for them because they don't have to deal with that, that distraction. But for those guys out there that, um, you know, they like whoever talks to them last, I mean, I'm curious how they're going to make a decision. Sometimes a decision will be made for them. You know, a lot of people end up going to a school by default because their other options disappear. You know, used to you could go in there with the coach and have dinner under on mama's table and say, listen, you guys are part of our family. We want you to go ahead and sign with us. And sometimes that closes the deal. But when you don't have that opportunity, what do you do? What do you do? But that's a recruiting update for today. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. I know you guys love Campus Bookmart because of Stan the Man. He's the only guy that I know that wears the button-up, short sleeve shirts, and the tie and can pull it off. That's kind of the Stan the Man look. When you go in and you look for a stand-a man, he's easy to spot. And he tells me you guys do. He wasn't stand-a man until we dubbed him that here on the show. But stand-a man is a guy that knows about retail. He knows about Mississippi State sports. He knows about Mississippi State merchandising. You can find Stan during baseball season out at Left Field Lounge. It's not just a job to him, it's a passion. As is it is for Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, they'll treat you like family because you are family. If you can't make it to town and go by and meet them in person, let me encourage you to support them by shopping online at campusbookmart.net and by using promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. You and I both know you're going to be doing a lot of online shopping this year. You might as well go ahead and get ahead of the game. Visit them at campusbookmart.net for all your Mississippi State merchandising needs. You guys are well aware that Will Muschamp is out at the University of South Carolina. Not a huge surprise. I guess the timing might be a little bit, but that was an embarrassing loss. Ole Miss really carved them up uh, this past Saturday. And, uh, listen, South Carolina played hard and uh, just kind of lost serve a little bit. Next thing you know, as prolific as that Ole Miss offense was that night, you know, once, once they – quit scoring, and you had to punt, Ole Miss didn't stop, and uh, they were to put that game away. And when you when you built a pedigree and a career on being a defensive guy, you can't go out there and get, you know, have somebody hang 59 points on you. I mean, that's just – it's not going to work. Uh, Muschamp entered the season on the hot seat, 
Uh, he leaves the season as a very wealthy guy. Steve Spurrier said, you know, asked him about what kind of coach he is. He goes, well, I know that uh, he does a good job negotiating those contracts. He got paid a ton of money to leave Florida, a ton of money to leave South Carolina. Generational wealth type stuff. He and his family never have to work again. I, I suspect that he will go and do some TV stuff, probably take some time to enjoy his family. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be a head coach again, unless it's at a lower level. And, and why would you do that unless it's just for your level of the game? I uh, spoke to some other people that feel like Derek Mason's job is in jeopardy at Vanderbilt. And a lot of people would say, well, you know, they don't really care about football at Vanderbilt. Well, they do. They do care. They just don't have as many people that care as we do. They also have a huge endowment there, so financial resources is not the issue. Who does Vandy hire? Who do they go get? Derek Mason's been there, had a couple of decent years at times, but uh, they're not expected to win a game this year. And there have been some games that they have not been good in at all. They have been a little more competitive as of late, but it always feels like Derek Mason is coaching for his job. Derek Mason is a tremendous defensive coordinator. He is a tremendous person, and uh, I'm sure that he will get an opportunity somewhere. But I continue to hear now that Derek Mason's in trouble. And I think the whole South Carolina thing probably gives some other people, you know, maybe some incentive to move. You know, a lot of people are thinking, you know what, there's not going to be anybody fired during the quarantine. Everybody's going to kind of get a mulligan year this year. And then now you've had a big Power 5 job come open. So now all of a sudden the dominoes will begin to fall. A lot of people are expecting Billy Napier to get that job. Billy Napier is from that area, and there was a lot of discussion last year when he was the candidate for both the Mississippi State and the Ole Miss jobs that he was going to wait out South Carolina. He was hoping to get the Baylor or the South Carolina gig, and now here we are, that job is open. Of course, Hugh Freeze is a natural candidate with the job he's done at Liberty. Uh, and Listen, not to mention with the players he's doing it with, there's no argument against the fact that, that Hugh Freeze knows offensive football. And the SEC has, is no longer the three yards on a cloud of dust beat you up on defense league. I mean, this has become a spread it out and score them league. And so the game is changing. I think Hugh Freeze probably is better suited for the Big 12. Those big wide open spaces out there where, they don't, they, where defense is optional. But those guys clearly are the leading candidates for the job. A lot of people have mentioned the guy from Coastal Carolina, but they've really only had the one year, you know, where he's been there and they've had some success there. But uh, – but if that happens, there's going to be, you know, we're going to start the dominoes falling again, and we're going to have some, some silliness. I don't think Mississippi State's impacted by any of that stuff. You know, it's the thing with Dan Mullen that we worried about every year. Every single year we were kind of held hostage by the coaching search, and a lot of that too, Dan's own representation uh, kind of put it out there and kind of let it be known that he was possibly looking to move on. There were some people in the media that thought they had good sources on it. They didn't realize that they were basically carrying water for an agent that was trying to get more money for Dan Mullen. But as we get through the whole deal, Dan's not here anymore. And so I think Mike Leach sees this as a destination job. I don't think Mike Leach is looking to leave again at his age. He bought a house here. And, uh, you know, Mike is a guy that has, uh, has built a, kind of a foundation everywhere he's gone and in the state several, several years. And so I suspect that uh, Mike Leach is not going to be entertaining other opportunities. I think Mike Leach is here and committed to Mississippi State, which will be nice not to have to deal with for at least a few years. It'd be nice not to every single December have to wonder that uh, your head coach is being mentioned for other jobs, just like last year. I mean, Jim Moore had mentioned for Rutgers and uh, spoke to Joe even after all of it was said and done. Joe didn't, t- didn't talk to Rutgers. You know, there are a lot of people out there that say, oh, well, this is how it's going to happen, and none of it happened. Nobody ever apologized. Nobody ever came out and said, hey, we had it wrong. They just kind of move on to the next topic, and nobody ever holds them accountable. 
But all of that stuff that was going on last year was just, you know, it was just discussion and speculation. And it's a shame that the SEC network allows that stuff to be aired uh, to the detriment of Mississippi State. Because the whole function of the SEC network was for the promotion of the 14 league institutions. And then we have Paul Feinbaum go on there and basically say things that are detrimental to Mississippi State regularly. And so it's interesting to me how that happens. Uh, listen, when there are things that are in the news that are germane, people have to discuss them. But uh, you know, it always seems like that we get the short end of that stick. But uh, that's the life and times of being a Mississippi State Bulldog. Uh, we want you to be in Starkville. And if you, haven't, if you have never considered being a Starkville resident, let me tell you to give this an opportunity. Uh, our friend Brooks Bryan, and you guys know who Brooks Bryan is. Brooks Bryan is a guy that uh, – took us to Omaha. He was part of a couple teams that made it to Omaha. Uh, his shining moment, of course, robbing a home run against the University of Washington that allowed us to go to Omaha. So uh, Brooks is involved with a new residential complex here in Starville uh, called Portico. Great developments just off Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Chrysler Jeep dealership, just, just over a mile from campus. Easy access to both Highway 82 and 25. There'll be 51 houses total in development with 18 houses already approaching movement condition. There'll be 33 houses in the second phase. That'll begin after the turn of the year. Houses will range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, from two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. So you've got some room to grow if you're a family. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. If you want more information about this, and I'm going to encourage you to, uh, to reach out uh, to Brooks, because he'll talk some baseball with you, but he'll also talk with you about uh, possibly making Starkville your home. 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. So you guys have been so kind to me. Uh, so I want to let you guys know Thursday I'm going to be in the Jackson metro area again. We will have uh, a couple book signings. Had a really good book signing at Columbus yesterday. Kind of slow starting, but, man, by the time lunch hour got there, it was great. Uh, and so if you couldn't make it out to the grapevine in Columbus on Tuesday, I left behind about, oh, I guess about 20 signed books there. And so if you are in the Columbus area and you want to support a local vendor and buy my book, you can buy it right there at the grapevine in Columbus. And one of the reasons that uh, and I've shared this with you guys before I shop on Amazon, but when I have the opportunity to help our local merchants, I want to do that, and I encourage you to shop local, spend local, eat local, and all the good things that go along with that. And so if you are in the Jackson metro area, if you're in North Jackson, you got a chance to come check me out Thursday, and I'm giving you two chances to do it. I will be at the Y'all Lifestyle store there in the township tomorrow from 11 to 1.30. And then I'll leave there and we'll head to Madison and go to Persnickety. That's uh, 2.30 to 5. So two chances to see me tomorrow and come get signed books. And we'll have all the books there. So if you want Flim Flam, Stark Villains, or Alpha Dogs, books are available for purchase. And uh, you can take care of all the Bulldogs on your Christmas list. And uh, even though this season has not been, uh, you know, one to remember for all the right reasons, we have a great history. We have a great fan base. We have a lot to be thankful for. And uh, it was one of my greatest joys to write these books. And I uh, look forward to you guys uh, enjoying them and sharing them with the Bulldogs and your family. Again, that's Y'all Lifestyle Store Thursday, 11 to 1.30, and then Persnickety in Madison, 2.30 to 5. I was uh, going to take the weekend off and go to Athens, you know, and, and not do any book signing. So I'm still going to take the weekend off because I've got the, the things going on with the, the project. 
Let's just call it the project. And then Monday, when we get together, I'll guys, I'll let you guys in on all the details on the project. But uh, is it an exciting deal? And uh, it's something that I think that, um, you know, we'll probably sell some more books, but I think it also, too, kind of opened some people's eyes to some things that, uh, that maybe happened in the state of Mississippi that a lot of people maybe are not privy to. And so I'm very happy to be a part of this, and uh, I've had a lot of interaction uh, with the people involved in this project. And uh, when they first contacted me, they actually contacted me through Tom Mars and said, hey, listen, Tom says, hey, listen, these people are working on this. They want to know if you're a part of this, if you're willing to be on board. And I said, I'm absolutely on board. And uh, I'm probably giving some of it away at this point. But uh, this, is one, this is some of those things that happen in life, and you, you never expect them to. You hope that they happen. But you never really expect them to. And uh, it could be one step towards an even bigger step. And so that uh, doesn't mean the Boneyard's going anywhere. doesn't mean I'm going anywhere. doesn't mean that I'm going to stop writing books or stop writing on Gene's page. I'm going to continue to do all those things. Uh, but um, there's some cool things happening. Some cool things happening. And I hate to be such a tease about it, but it's like once, once we get through Saturday, I'll have more information and I'll have a comfort level. Because there's all these opportunities that come along and never come to fruition. And if I share with you everything that happened or everything that was offered, you do, you think, man, that's all you ever do is talk about that stuff. But uh, it is very important to me, and I think it'll be important to you. I think it'll be a lot of fun for everybody involved. And so look forward to sharing that with you more on, on Monday. But um, be back on Friday. We'll preview the league, and uh, hopefully the Bulldogs can pull out a win on Saturday, the right Bulldogs. I'm not optimistic. But, um, you know, I think most people just want to go out there and see us compete. Uh I'm true maroon. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a homer as much as some people suggest that I am. And I'm also not as negative as some people make me out to be. But uh, I try to be there in the middle. But I love Mississippi State. And um, I love Mississippi State sports. And uh, I've made so many great memories of my family over the years. And so I hope that we get back to having those big moments where we're all gathered around the TV and we can't wait to get together and celebrate some big moments of Mississippi State sports. I believe that's going to come in baseball. And I think we're going to have some big games in women's basketball but nothing does it like football. You know, there's postseason baseball that brings us all together, and we'll never forget the Stanford uh, Super Regional. But there's just nothing like football with a tailgating experience, and then you, know, you stay after and you watch the late games. And there's just something of that spirit of community among the Mississippi State fan base. And I'm sure it's not unique to us, but, man, I sure miss it. I sure miss being able to walk out there to tailgates and be able to, able to, to meet you guys and say hello and just kind of break bread and celebrate Mississippi State. We need to do more of that. We need to do more of what makes us happy. Until then, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.